0: Not in them. Ephesians chapter 6, if you'd like to open your Bibles there. Ephesians chapter 6, while you open your Bibles, I want to welcome you, glad that you're here. If there are visitors with us from the community or from the area, you are welcome to be here. I'm a visitor too, and we've been welcomed here, and you're welcome. We're glad that you've come to be with us. We'll be meeting each night at 7 o'clock through Wednesday night. I encourage you to come back and be with us any time that your, your schedule might allow you to do that. Also, while you're turning there, I'll remind uh, the church, there's a home study tonight at somebody's house. If you don't know where that is, I don't either. We will work it out together. So if you're a visitor and you're you're not certain of where that is, there's a home study tonight for young adults, we're gonna be talking about um, careers, jobs, questions that they need to ask, questions they need to understand before they get knee deep in something. And so that's what the plan is, if that would be a benefit to your children or your grandchildren, get them there. We can carpool, we'll figure out the the logistics of it. But you're welcome to come to be a part of that study. I'm look tonight at the question, how's your family? How many times have you been asked that question? How many times have you been the one who asked that question? How's your family? How's your family? It's, it's what we do, right? What are we hoping for when we hear that? Everything's fine, brother. Kids are good. School is good. Job is good. Uh, health is good. Uh, babies are good. What are we looking for? That's what we would like, right? But everything I just described is an answer of a physical way. And usually when we ask that question, maybe we are inferring it in a physical way, but we're not doing that tonight. Not in any form of inference tonight are we talking about, how is your family in the physical? Tonight, we're just going to treat that as insignificant. Tonight, the question is, how is your family? And we're looking at it simply and pointedly From the spiritual realm. Let's ask that question that we hear so often and that we ask so often. Let's do it from the spiritual aspect of that. How's your family? Are they spiritually healthy? Or are they weak? How's your family? Spiritually strong? Kind of on the sick side? How's your family? Spiritually well maintained? are kind of neglected. haven't really thought about it, maybe, from the spiritual side of things. But that's what we're going to do tonight. In all honesty before God, with with that very same aspect that we did this morning with the self-test, the self-examination, we want to look at our family, and we want to look at it specifically. We have to, again, we talked this morning, we have to make a personal application of this. So let's get ready to do that, even if it hurts. Where am I? Where are you, spiritually, when it comes to fulfilling the roles God gave us in the family setting? And some of you have more than one role. You may be a husband and a father, well that's two different roles. You may be a mother as well as uh, a wife. There may be, we all have roles, we might have multiples, but the question is how are we doing? In those roles, whatever it may be, to however those roles would apply to us. And let's start by looking at the children. Okay, young guys, focus in. This is you. We're not waiting until we get to the home tonight. This is you. How you doing? How's your family? So here's what probably would be happening if there were no repercussions about mom and daddy finding out what you said. The answer might be, they just don't treat me very fair. They think I'm a kid. I'm not a kid. They don't understand. They have no idea of how things are so much different now, it was, than when they grew up in Mayberry. They are way too strict. Young people, listen. With as much respect as I can do, Every one of those answers is wrong because that is not what I ask you. This is personal. I ask you how you are doing in your role that God gave you. So all that they and them has nothing to do with it. God gave you a role. God gave you requirements. God gave you responsibilities. And you are responsible for those whether they are doing theirs right or not. We'll get to that in a minute. Right now I'm just talking to you. Ephesians chapter 6, are you with me? Verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord. Drop down to verse 2, honor your father and mother. So let me ask you again now that we are specific about what the question is. How are you doing? How is your family? How are you doing in what you just read is your responsibility? That's what we're looking at tonight. Do you accept with these verses that we just read, do you understand and do you accept that they have been given God-given authority over you while you are in that home? That's their responsibility that they have to be accountable for. We're getting there. But for right now, it's just you. Do you understand the authority that they have? In verse 1, do you understand that you are to be obedient to that authority? Whether or not you understand why they do what they do, why they, why they allow what they allow, what they don't allow. If you don't like it, if you don't want it, if you don't understand it, your, your responsibility is to obey it. So long as it's verse 1. is, it, Unless they're asking you to do something outside of the realm of God's law, if it's in the lord and they ask it that's your responsibility how you doing that's in verse 1 in verse 2 it speaks about honor and respect how you doing how's your family how are you doing in that you know how that comes out how do you talk about them how do you talk to them and now let me how do you talk to your coach when well, they say something you don't like. They require something you don't like. How do you talk to your teacher? How do you talk to your principal? How do, you, how do you talk to them? And then now, how do you talk to your parents? How do you talk about them to your friends when mom and dad ain't around? There's where honor comes out. That's what we're looking at. So now let's play a game. For those things that you don't understand. For those things you're just, I I, I don't get it. Okay. It's logical that you don't. Play the game. Wherever you are, teenagers, whether you're 15, 18, whatever, I want you you to take 10 years off of it. Go back. You're not 15, you're 5. You're not 18, you're 8. You might have been a really intelligent 5-year-old and an 8-year-old. Now think about what you know now that you didn't know then. Think about what you did not understand at 5 that you now understand very well at 15. What did you not understand at 8 that you understand very well at 18? And now listen when I tell you that the next 10 years is going to be just the same. Things you don't get at 15, it's going to make a lot of sense at 25. The things your mom and dad are asking of you and requiring of you that don't make a lick of sense at 18, it will when you're 28. If you can look back and admit there are things I didn't know then, even though I had a lot going on. A lot of things. I I connected dots pretty well, but when you were 5 and 8, you didn't live long enough to understand there are still things you haven't lived long enough to understand. And I know I'm about to make every teenager in this room want to vomit, but your parents used to date. Your parents used to be what you are and they they wanted to do what you want to do. They have been there. And they know what their weaknesses were and they know what their struggles were and they want something better for you. And God put them in a role to help you with that. Now how are you doing? At your responsibilities. How are you doing at your obedience and your honor? Because that's what God expects of you. Parents, how you, how's your family? Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Kind of an interesting verse got some uniqueness to it Titus chapter 2 verse 4 speaking to those older ladies who were teaching the young ladies it says teach them that they may that they may teach the young woman to love their husbands and to love their children you know it, that loving their husband part that's kind of we, we kind of get that right especially you know 2000 years ago when there was arranged marriages we realized that in, in the first century you know there were there were husbands and wives who didn't even meet arranged marriage. They met, as we would say, at the altar. Love your husband? You've never met your husband. That's something you learned. But that loving your children part, well, that just, that ought to be instinctive, right? That's not the kind we have to learn. There is, you know, that, that, that's the wonderful thing. I don't, I don't know how long Carl and I dated. I don't know how long we were together before you start thinking, I, I, I think I love her. But you don't have that thought when your kids are handed to you. You love them. There is an instinctive part of that, that, an emotional part of that. That's not what Titus is talking about. There is a love that can be learned. There is a love that has to be learned. And here's some examples of that. Do we love them enough to be a parent? Do you love them enough to parent them? Or do you want to be that cool dad? Do you want to be that with it mom? They don't need another pal. They need a mom and a dad. They need a parent. They need someone to guide. They need someone to train. Do you love them enough to do that? Do we need to relearn that? Do you love them enough to train them even when it's resented? You know, we talked about. There, I don't. Sometimes it gets hard. Some things are easier than others. Will you push through that? When maybe you get some kickback, you get some pullback. Will you keep on training? Even when it's not understood, and even maybe when it is resented, you love them enough to do that because you know better, because you have lived longer, because you've experienced more? Do you love them enough to discipline them in a godly way? And not try to pull that good cop, bad cop thing where there's one here and then there's another one, you know, sneaking bread and water under the, te- under the door? A united front training a united front discipline. Do you love them enough to do that? How's your your family? Do your children basically run the show? Do they decide for themselves whether or not they'll come to Bible class? Do they decide for themselves? you Are going to let them decide if they're going to come to that home study tonight? Or do you know better? Do you know the benefits that they don't know yet, that they don't understand yet? Because when they were were young, you didn't let them decide if they were going to go to school or not. You didn't let them decide if they were going to go out and play and run around in five-degree weather with the rain falling down. No, you made decisions that you knew was best for them. Why will we not make decisions that we know is spiritually best for them? Do you love them enough to do that? Do we love them enough to let them suffer for some of their consequences? You're going to go to school and pitch a fit because they're being punished for something that they have, where they've misbehaved, and you go run avalanche for them? Make excuses for their bad behavior? You're going to do that? Turn to Hosea chapter 8. We looked at a passage this morning in Haggai. I told you it didn't exactly fit with our context of the study, but we just pulled it out. I'm going to do the same thing here. Hosea is not talking about children, it's not talking about parents, but there is an application in it that certainly fits. Look in Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. They that have sown the wind will reap the whirlwind. You're going to let your children make decisions for themselves? You're just going to kind of take a step back and see where it goes. He tells us where it's going to go. There is a category five hurricane coming, and the epicenter's your address. If if you're not the parent that you ought to be, if you're not the discipliner that you ought to be, if you're not the one training as you ought to be, there is a cyclone coming, there's a storm coming. How's your family? Are you married? Not everybody in this room is married. But are you married? Because if you are, how's your family? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Applications. We're trying to make applications. However they fit, let's let them fit. However they they impact us, let's let them have impact. Ephesians chapter 5. Read verse 22. To begin, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. Are you a wife? Then how is your family? Here's your responsibility. Here is a responsibility that was God given to the wives. Or, I can read it. I see it. But, you don't understand, you don't know my husband. Nevertheless, he is your husband. Well, he just doesn't deserve it. I got a secret for you. None of us deserve it. There's not a man you ever met who deserves this. You don't submit because he's worthy. You submit because God requires it of you. That's that's the responsibility that goes with that role. And so if you're an unmarried lady here, and you're not ready for that, then you stay an unmarried lady. You live the rest of your life as an unmarried lady. You don't have to be married to go to heaven. You don't have to be married to be a faithful Christian and to serve God. But if you do decide to become a wife, here's your responsibility. Understand that. Be prepared for that. Husbands, how's your family? Drop down. Pick up with me in verse 25. You like that submission thing? How about this? Husbands, love your wives as Christ so loved the church. Now exhale and take a deep breath, guys, because that is an incredible statement. That's an incredible responsibility. You think it's a big responsibility to submit? How about the responsibility that's laid on us to love our wives like Christ loved the church? Were you here for the first lesson today? Exactly how much did you love the church? Died for it. Gave his life for his bride. That's the responsibility that goes with being a husband. Young guys in here, if you're not ready for that, then you stay unmarried. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be a husband to go to heaven. You don't have to be a husband. You can live the rest of your life and never take on that role. But if you do decide to take on that role, you better understand what the requirement is. Understand what the responsibility is. Her needs become first. She is over her, her needs more important than the needs for yourself. In First Peter chapter three, we won't turn there, but it, it, it talks of honoring her, honoring her as the weaker vessel, so that, the, so that prayers aren't hindered. Honoring her, do you, do, do you honor her? Guys? How's your family? Do we love her as Christ loved the church? Do we honor her as the weaker vessel? Or are are we just hung up on that submission thing? We're the king of the castle. She's my maid. She's my chef. She's my fulfiller of fleshly needs. Is that all she is to you? You drop down to the last part of that text. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. However, so here's, here's Paul saying, now I, I'm giving you this fleshly example, but what I'm really talking about spiritual things, but nevertheless, even though I'm, I'm, I'm referring to them as a spiritual symbolism, let every one of you in particular love his wife as himself and why see that she respect her husband. I I'm talking about spiritual things. I want to get spiritual things as the emphasis, but here's your responsibilities. Here's what's expected of you if you take on those roles. What incredible responsibilities that they are. So, husbands and wives, how's your family? you still seeking each other's needs. you still looking after the other even before you look after yourself. Do you still show care? Do you still show concern? Do you still love them? Or you're just hanging in there because you know after all, divorce is a sin. It's years being wasted. How sad that is. When I was coaching, I told you this morning, I, I, I coached. I spent 14 years coaching in Alabama. When I was coaching, when there was one year we got to go, the whole staff, we went down and we got to go, Tallahassee, we got to go to Florida State's camp, Bobby Bowden, was, that, that was when, that's when FSU was rolling. That was my age and you, you'll remember they had you know, 15, 20 years or so where they never left the, fi- the top five. That's, when, that's what I'm talking about. They, were, they, they won a couple titles, played for a couple more, and even when they weren't playing for it, they were, in the, they were there. They were in the mix. So we got to go down, and Bobby Bowden's kind of the keynote speaker of the, of the clinic. And, you know, he wasn't all that much into the X and O part. He had assistants for that. He was a philosophizer. He just kind of talked. And so we got to hear him talk, and there was a lot of things that was, that was beneficial from it. One thing that I, that I still remember all these years later, they lived relatively close to the, to the practice field and to the campus, and his wife, I'm not saying all the time, I don't think he was implying that it was every time, but often enough, she knew what the schedule was, she knew when practice was going to end, and she would be there at the end of practice. And then he said that that he would see her and that he would get her hand and they would walk off the field together. He said, let me tell you why I do that. He said, most of the guys I'm coaching, most of the kids I'm coaching, they didn't have a mom and a daddy. And I wanted them to see that there's another way. I wanted them to see what it looks like. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give your children, mom and dad, is for your kids to see and know that you love each other. For your kids to never one night go to bed and think, I wonder if daddy will be here this weekend. For them to never go to bed and wonder, I wonder how much longer mama's going to put up with this. What a wonderful blessing you can give them when they see a healthy, loving relationship. So, parents, spouses, for the last time, how's your family? These are hard questions, but needful ones. And probably all of us have some work to do, and here's why there's work to do. It's because worldly things can creep into the church. And a lot of times, that creeping starts inside the family unit. So have your eyes open, be be prepared, be aware. You know, eternity is at stake with some of these questions I've been asking. And unrepented of sin may lead to a lot of surprised souls in torment. So if any of these things hit, then let them hit. If any of these things hit, don't take it personal. I don't know you enough for it to be personal. It's not me being personal. It's your conscience doing what God designed for it to do. Just don't trample it. Do something about it. The best I can tell, there's probably three different ways you can take a lesson like this. Here's one of them. Bring in this new guy out of town, thinks he's got all the answers. If you're visiting here from the community. There's no arrogant boast from the church here that we have all the answers. But here's what we will confidently say. We know where all the answers are found. These roles and these responsibilities that that, that make up a family unit, the pattern for that is within God's Word. He's the one who outlines all of these relationships, and it has not changed. We have everything we need within the text itself that every one of us in this room can have a healthy family, spiritually. We can be as healthy as we desire to be. So no, it's not about making claims that, we, that, that I know all of it. We're just trying to point us to where the answers are. Here's another possible way to take a lesson like this. Hey, stay out of it. Appreciate what you're doing, appreciate what you're saying, but what we do works for us. Not exactly like you said it, not exactly the relevant roles that you just read about, but what we, the way we do it, just fine for us. Well, it might be fine for you. It might be good for you. The question is, is it fine with God? It might work for you. Does it work for Him? Does it work for the judge? Because let's just play that game of it works. There's a lot of churches within five miles of us. Yeah. Teaching what saved, always saved. Well, that works for them. Having a fellowship hall and a basket, that works for them. Pulls the numbers in. Does it work for God? Here's the question. It's not about what works for us. There's nobody here trying to to meddle. There's nobody here trying to interfere. There's nobody here trying to intrude. We're just trying to find out what God wants. And in the best of our ability, let's match what God wants, which leads to the third possible way you can take a lesson like this, and that is, I needed that. I can be better. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better at my role. And that might be plural for some of us. I'm going to be better at my roles. Starting right now. Repenting is its a part of discipleship. And we talked this morning about some things are very, very personal. Some things are individual. It might be, so, so he, I'm going to do my part. Maybe somebody else in the house doesn't do their part. And what if others don't want to make this same change that you desire to make? We can't make them. Control what you can control. Change what you can change. Because that's the only thing you're going to be accountable for anyway. If someone else doesn't do their part, that's, that's not on you. Be the best example you can. Be the best influence that you can. Be the best at whatever role we have looked at today. How's your family? Kids? Children? Parents? Husbands? Wives? How's your family? Get your songbooks books out. Are you a part of God's family? I hope, I hope that you are, but there may be somebody, that's a big number, there's probably somebody here who is not. I want you to, to be part of God's family. It's not wonderful today, I came in this building expecting to know maybe three or four people by name, maybe eight or ten people peripherally, then you get to talking, oh, you, you know who? You're akin to who? You used to live where? And in about 15 minutes I realized, I'm friends with half this church. I just never met you. That's the beauty of God's family. And if you're not a Christian, you can't can't understand that. I can't explain it to you. And if I could explain it to you, you wouldn't believe me. But it's real. It's a blessing. It ought to be high on all of our list of blessings. And I want you to be a part of that. And it is possible because the father of this spiritual family has made it available to you and the older brother of this spiritual family who was your lamb, who was your sacrifice, has made it available to you. So if you know who he is, let your faith do something. Let it lead you to confess to him as your king. Let it lead you to repenting of the sins that caused him to have to die. Let it lead you to to the waters of baptism, not because there's something magical or special about some baptistry or a bathtub or a swimming pool or a hot tub or a creek. It's because you have confidence in God's promises. and He promised you He would wash those sins away. And that's when it happens. That's when your faith and His grace meet. You can do that tonight. Somebody here will help you do that tonight. For those of us that are Christians, I'm glad. Thankful you're part of the family. But if you're not meeting your role, if your family's not healthy and it's because of me, it's because of you, then let's do something about it. If if we want some accountability, there's people here that'll pray for you. But if if it's a private thing, then keep it private. Just make sure you do it. Do it while we stand and sing.